Welcome to Unabashed You, conversations to become who you already are. The focus at UY is to be who you are without apology, for you are one of a kind, without equal. Be encouraged as these conversations will help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way. Your companion to the whimsy and beauty of the human spirit, Rochelle Condi now. We had David Crisp's wife on last week, B.A. Crisp. And I have to tell you how we met because it's extraordinary. David wrote me an email sharing with me how wonderful his wife is, how she has survived more things than most of us go through in a lifetime, and how she is now a published author. Would I consider having her on as a guest? The letter contained exactly the things I love. It was authentic, transparent, and vulnerable. Of course, I said yes. I want to welcome David to the show today. Hello, David. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you, Rochelle? Good. I'm doing well. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Is there anything you want the listeners to know before we get started? Um, I, I live in Naples, Florida. I'm uh, married. I'm 54 years old. Mm-hmm. I have um, six children. We're, <sighs> we're a blended family, so we're, we're right. kind of like the Brady Bunch. We have three boys, um, all of those those sons or stepsons. And then I have two biological daughters and a stepdaughter. And um, you know, they are kind of scattered throughout Florida, Kentucky, and Texas. Wow. <clears throat> we too have six between us, blended family. So a lot of good similarities there. All right. What, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a father uh, first and, and probably uh, I could throw grandfather in there, but I, it falls under father. Um, right. I'm a husband and I'm, um, a servant. And uh-huh. I, I think, you know, for me, those are the, the three things that I think illustrate who I am and what my values are about. So those, those are the best ones I could come up with. Right. And I, it's interesting you use the word servant again, and then we're going to uh, circle back to that, I believe, when we go, get into our deeper talk. But you described yourself that way during our email exchanging. And I thought, wow, that is really a great word because, of, of course, through the ages, culturally, it's come to mean um, something that's not good. But really, if you look at the definition of wanting to be service-oriented or having a servant's heart, it's wanting to do good for others, which is a beautiful thing. And it's a choice. You know, you're choosing to do that. Well, and, you know, it's a choice, and it's also part of my own personal evolution and self-actualization. I think as I've gotten older, um, I've, I've really, you know, you learn about yourself over the course of a lifetime. And, you know, I, I started out from from college, probably going the route of a lot of Gen Xers. It was, you know, get a job, um, climb the corporate ladder, be successful, chase the next promotion, chase the next bonus. And I spent, um, you know, about 15 years doing that. And, you know, I, I ended up going through a divorce. And as your kids get older, you know, the, the, the kids are kind of a center point in your life. And mm-hmm. you move through adulthood, you start to realize um, that there's there's more to it um, than just, you know, what you're trying to achieve. And right. when, those, when those kids kind of fly the nest and mine, mine left a little bit earlier because of the divorce. And, and there's a long story behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you, you, you start to look around and go, well, you know, what's, what's truly important? Why am I here? What am I doing? Why, why should I be getting out of bed in the morning? And what I found was the most fulfilling aspect, the most satisfying aspect in my life was to be in service to others. And it's led me down an entirely different path in the last 15 years. Um, and, you know, when I say the word service, as you kind of alluded to, it's not about being a doormat. Um, right. It's a, it's a <clears throat> role of responsibility and accountability and creativity and, um, you know, personal human connection. And uh, it's it's just one of those things that is fulfilling and satisfying to me. And it's a part of who I am. And I think I've always been that way. But it took me a while um, to kind of get there. Right. And don't you think that's true of our lives in general? It takes us a while to, I don't want to say to arrive because I don't feel like we ever do. We're, we're, we're still on the path. We're still moving forward. And then there are things that we kind of, you know, grab along the way and, oh, and, and the things you realize about yourself and ways that you want to show up in the world and ways that you want to share the thing that only you can share. Totally agree with that. And I think that, you know, as you go through life, it's, it's a process, it's a journey yeah. and, and you change, right? your life experiences change you, your relationships change you. And, you know, if you're, if you're in a growth mode, you should be constantly assessing who you are and how mm-hmm. you're in the world. And so it is ever changing. And I, and, and I think when you stop that process, um, you know, you, you're dying a little bit inside and mm-hmm. uh, retirement is, is um, I think, kind of a bill of goods that our generation was sold, you know, the, the boomers post-World War II, mm-hmm. go work somewhere 30 years, get your gold watch, go retire and go play golf, you know, for the next 25 years. And, you know, I, I've watched my parents both, they're in their early 80s now. It, there is there is a cognitive decline and a physical decline if you don't stay engaged. And Ooh, I think that yes. um, it's, it's super important. I've, I've watched them through the aging process and I've really learned a lot from from their lifestyles, um, you know, how I want to start managing my old age. And you right. know, we're, we're all moving in that direction. Um, and so I think it's it's su- super important to continue that evolution and that growth. Absolutely. Kindred spirit. I'm right there with you all the way. Oh, my gosh. This is so wonderful. All right. Two truths and a lie. Three statements about yourself. One is not true. And I see if I can figure it out. David, that was so well said for starters. I'm just like right there is I'm just like mm, every everything you said, I could not agree with more. Ah, ah, so good. So good. Okay. Okay. Two, two truths and a lie. Yes. Okay. One night I found myself in the seat of a police car involved (laughs) in a high speed chase. Oh, my Uh, gosh. Um, I enjoy making custom woodwork stuff and do-it-yourself projects in my shop. Ooh. And uh, I had an opportunity to meet the President of the United States in the Oval Office of the White House one time. Ooh. Okay. Oh, these are fun. These are so fun. Okay, just glancing at them, really, honestly, really, they could all be true. Okay. 
And here's my thought process as I go through. One night you were you found yourself in the seat of a car. You were pulled from a high speed chase. Now I'm I'm just again my thought process. I'm feeling like that's possible, but I don't think you were the driver because I just don't see you as somebody who would be, you know, going upwards of a hundred and and all of that. So I'm going to set that one aside. Um, you know, I don't know about the custom woodworking and the do-it-yourself. Uh, you know, you might have a shop, but maybe you're into um, glass blowing or metalworks or something. I don't know. Meeting the president in the Oval Office one time, that, and of course, then I wonder, well, which president? At what time was this? You know, like, were you a kid? Where was it recent? I don't know. So I got to pick one. I am going to pick a meeting president of the Oval Office one time. Is that true? Um, that's actually true. That is true. Okay, let's start with that one. Tell, tell me about that. Um, my father was a Secret Service agent. Oh, uh, my gosh. Um, I was born in Washington, D.C. And oh. spent um, a fair amount of my young childhood oh, in my gosh. Northern, Northern Virginia area when he was on presidential protective detail. This wow. Gerald Ford, um, late, late 70s. And uh, one of the things that the agents had the opportunity to do occasionally was to go into the Oval Office with their families. <sighs> and, um, you know, the, the, the family gets to meet the president and the president right. gets to talk with the family and there's a photo op and all that stuff. So when I was <laughs> seven years old, um, I, I was I was in the Oval Office of the White House, met President Ford, and I actually wow. had some pretty good and slightly humorous photos of that. <laughs> um, back in the day, I was I was wearing a short sleeve turtleneck, and you probably haven't seen those in a while. So yes, that one's actually true. And <laughs> we could go on for days about my father's career. Wow! Um, and it certainly kind of shaped uh, some of the stuff that I've done in adulthood as well. Well, and look, service is built right into the title of being a Secret Service agent. I mean, you you are literally willing to put yourself on the line to protect somebody else. I mean, so you grew up, your you know your family of origin, your the uh, the, the culture within your family was one of service because. I mean, he did that as as a as a father, as a husband, you know, with children. I mean, he, you know, at any time could not have come home. But he I I, I really admire that kind of dedication and, and sacrifice because you just you do not know ultimately what you will be sacrificing, but you are willing to to sacrifice to do the thing. Wow. That's All right. Yeah, in the DNA, right. Okay, so I'm going to jump up to your first one, which is pulled from a high-speed chase. Is that true? Yeah, well, I have to I have to correct. Um, one oh, I? I was actually in the car, in the police car, right. involved in the high-speed chase. So I wasn't oh, 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 you weren't pulled over in a car that was not. You were in the pursuit. I was. Oh. Yeah. Okay, how were you in the pursuit? Were, are you a former police officer? I, I am. Um, I and and this is a, an interesting story, and it was kind of a second career for me. But I, through this kind of period in my life where I was self-assessing wow. and, and wow. finding out about serving others, um, Angelina, my wife, and I were were looking at volunteer opportunities in Naples, and we we had both been through. Um, a leadership program in town where you kind of meet uh, 
uh, all of the movers and shakers in town. And I was approached by a chief at the Collier County Sheriff's Office. And they said, hey, we have this volunteer opportunity as an auxiliary deputy. And you you have to get certified. Uh-huh. And it's it's not a huge commitment after that. It's about 15 hours a month. And, you know, I, I never had an interest in law enforcement. When I got out of college, my father, and I remember this very distinctly, saying, hey, if you want to go into law enforcement, you know, don't be a street cop. They have a target on their back. Get into federal law enforcement. I can help you with that. And I was I was I had already had my plans set and wanted to go into sales. And, um, you know, I just never had any interest in law enforcement. But this opportunity came up and it it actually sounded kind of interesting. And it, it really wasn't a very big commitment. But as I, I committed to this and got into the training, right. um, I went out on patrol and uh, with with a, with a regularly certified deputy and just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, it started with a ride along at, at <laughs> night. And then um, I was I was on patrol and I just had this absolute passion for it. And wow. you know, one of the one of the first calls we went on was this lady that had been hit on a bicycle. Oh. And uh, she was laying in the road and had an obvious oh. head injury. And, you know, we were the first ones on scene. And I was I was holding this lady and C spine talking to her. And, you know, I, I went home that day and I, I told Angelina, I said, you know, man, this is just really, really an amazing job and just a profound level of community service that's involved mm-hmm. in doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so to fast forward and to make a pretty long story short, I was actually approached again a couple of years later to come to the sheriff's office full time wow. as a fully certified deputy. And in 2014, after a lot of thinking and discussions with Angelina, um, I decided to take that on and I went up to the police academy in Fort Myers, spent six months up there, was uh, fully certified as a as a deputy. And then I came back to Collier and worked night shift road patrol for five years. And then um, the last year I was uh, appointed to be on special enforcement team on night shift. So uh, I actually resigned from the sheriff's office in March of 20, uh, right before COVID and George Floyd. And, you know, my, my timing appeared very impeccable, but it was pure coincidence. And I left mm-hmm. for several reasons. One was age. I was 52 years old and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, chasing people through apartment complex parking lots. <laughs> oh, cool. night. I, I had I... been on night shift for five years um, and it, it took a toll on my body, um, just just chronically tired. And uh, there was um, aspects of of the public sector that I don't do well with. And mm-hmm. you know, that, that is, uh, that was probably the major driver. Um, I had been in the private sector my whole adult life and mm-hmm. public sector is not about operational excellence. It's not about competence. And I was a whistleblower. I called people out and I was disruptive and I was at a point in my very short career in law enforcement that I kind of had people out to get me because I was, I was disruptive. And um, when <sighs> I left the 20, I was very upset because I, I was, I've always been very idealistic and um, mm-hmm. I, I did that job with a tremendous passion and 120% of, of my effort. Um, mm-hmm. And when I left, I, I was really upset and frustrated and I ended up writing a book about it. 
And wow. I, I have not published that book. It's a, it's a raw manuscript. And it was very cathartic for me because I had to kind of work through some of the things that I saw, um, you know, not externally with the public, but but absolutely internally with how mm-hmm. law enforcement manages itself, right. uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, right. Wow, David, that is truly an incredible story. And it makes me think of all kinds of things. And uh, for starters, got, once you get the, the book out there, come back on and let's talk about it because there's... There again, going to the service that your dad provided, there is a, a lot to saying that you will become a police officer, a, a deputy. I mean, it, anything in that realm is that same kind of sacrificial, typically not well paid, and um, not, I don't think, culturally anyway, not recognized for the great sacrifice and the necessity of. Of, I think it it needs you know sort of more respect, more respect, well, and and maybe there was a day when that was more true. I, I don't think it's terribly true today. I don't think it's very true today. I mean, you know, generally speaking, most people appreciate and and respect yes. the role of law enforcement. Um, they they do, and and our our society works tremendously well when you compare it to, you know, whatever other country you want to compare it to. I mean, we we have it pretty good here, and we're, yes. we're pretty civil. Um, you know, everybody has their ups and downs, but, you know, generally speaking, it's, it's not horrendous, but, you know, social media has, has um, certainly caused some problems in the law enforcement community. Um, But, but more Mm -hmm. importantly, I think you have to look at the source, right? And law enforcement doesn't do a good job of PR. And, um, and and that is, that's a a self-inflicted wound. I mean, it really is. And it kind of goes back to some of the stuff I said before, uh, you know, about it not being about operational excellence and competence. It's it's about politics and nepotism. And um, mm-hmm. it's it's very dysfunctional and very toxic in a lot of in a lot of aspects uh, when you look at it, you know, organizationally and internally. Right. Wow. That's incredible that you you know that much about it that you you see and recognize what could be better and that um you know sometimes we have to get out of our own way to 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 make it better and it, you know obviously it's going to take more than one person it's going to take a whole movement and I'm thankful for the sure. people who are out there trying to make that difference and trying to make uh things better so well, thank you I, for your service for sure yeah, well, well, thanks. I mean, I, I signed up for it, and I appreciate the thanks, but um, it's it's not necessary. I I absolutely loved that job. It was one of the most intuitive things I I ever did in my mm. adult life, and I can tell you that um, there are some fantastic professionals in law enforcement that are absolutely the best people you'll ever meet. And I I have held on to those relationships since leaving. I, I've stayed in touch with all those people. Good. Uh, these these are fantastic individuals, and. Um, I think they represent the best of the profession. Know that they're out there. Uh, feel good about that. Um, you know, I, I I'm disappointed that there's bad apples out there and people that abuse the 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 role and the power of law enforcement um, that results in shedding it sheds a bad light on these these true professionals, yes. and that's very unfortunate. Yeah, so. it is absolutely. All right, let's let's shift here to this. All obviously has to be the lie. You do uh, you don't have a shop, or you have a shop, but it's not a woodworking shop. This is the making the custom wood, 
in the the, the do-it-yourself projects. Yeah, this is the lie, and, and <laughs> it's pretty funny because um, my my brother's totally the opposite. Um, I, I actually am not mechanically inclined at all. I can't, <laughs> okay. I can't build anything. I can't put anything together. Um, I can't do any do-it-yourself project around the house. I have to hire people to come do that because that's how bad I am. I mean, I am just not mechanically inclined, and it's it's probably my biggest weakness, obviously, especially as, as a male and a husband and a father yeah. and we're supposed to have some kind of base <laughs> set of skills and, and, <laughs> and stuff like that and I just, I just do not have it and um, yeah. that's well, the reality of me yeah you know we all have that side that that we need other people to to fill in for and I I, I think that that's that's is as it should be right yeah. yeah, it is. Exactly. I mean, exactly. and, and it's okay. I mean, everybody's got their strength and weaknesses. That's, yes. that's one of my big weaknesses. Uh, I know my limitations and I know how to pick up the phone and call somebody <laughs> that knows what the heck they're doing. So that's right. Okay. That's right. Well, good for you. All right. Now, one of your favorite movies of all time. Again, it's not a the thing, it's an A thing because we all have a bunch. Yeah, well, and you know that was a, a, a tough one to think about, right? I'm not a huge movie guy, but right. I started going through the catalog of the movies I've watched, and you know, there's a, there's a bunch of them that could make the list. I'm 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 going today with Jerry Maguire. Ooh, um, you know, I was okay. I was leaning towards Forrest Gump, but okay, um, you know, Jerry Maguire is funny. It's got some humor to it, and I think that humor is important in a movie. At least it is for me. I think, you know, I need to laugh. I need to have a good time. uh, That's part of the entertainment value there. But, you know, there was also some ethical dilemmas in the movie and, you know, the the characters had to fight through some of those ethical dilemmas. And I just thought it was really well done. The plot's fantastic. The actors are great. Um, And, and it was, it was a fun movie. So I'm, I'm ranking that number one for this conversation. And, you know, and I love that. And I, I point that out often when we, we get to this particular question is that in this moment, that's for you right now, what you, you would say. And in an hour, you might say something different tomorrow, yesterday. It's it's fluid. It's it's always changing, which I think is beautiful. And that's one of the great things about life. You don't have to, you know, be stuck in these boxes, categories. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. OK. And a person that inspires you. Um, so I'm not paying any lip service to this. This is this is absolute legitimacy here. Um, my wife Angelina. I is, mean, is, I just had a feeling you're and, you know, there's, there's a ton of reasons for that. You know, one is she's the person that I I lay down in bed with uh, to go to sleep at night, and she's the first person I see in the morning. Yeah, and she's she's just a beautiful soul, and I've I've watched her. Uh, grow and evolve as a human mm. um, in our 15-year relationship. And she is just uh, always bubbly, excited, um, ready to take things on and, and, and go for new adventures. And you know, the other aspect of it, too, is that, and this is where the compliment comes in for the relationship, she's kind of flies at 30,000 feet. And we, we have this joke that she's out doing that and, and I'm air traffic <laughs> control. And, you know, she's, she's spontaneous and, you know, has that wonder lust about her and likes adventure and stuff. And I'm a little more reserved. I like to plan. I don't like flying by the seat of my pants. And she's done a great job 
getting me out of my comfort zone and, uh-huh. and doing new things and, and exploring things that I may not otherwise socially, it's the same way. Um, I, mm-hmm. I like a lot of people and crowds and stuff like that. And I like solitude and she gets me out and exposes me. And those are all good things. Getting out of your comfort zone is a good thing. We all know that it's hard to do sometimes. And she's kind of pulled me in that direction. And then conversely, you know, I, I'm I'm more of that conformist, and mm-hmm. I, I I like the rules and the boundaries, and trying to kind of stay in the box sometimes. And so when when she gets uh, an outlandish idea in her mind, hey, let's go do this. You know, I, I may try to rein her in a little bit and we'll talk about it. And she'll be like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Maybe we shouldn't do that right now. So we really complement each other. But she is a true inspiration to me. Um, and, and if I think of a list of people that I, I would say, hey, this person's inspirational, she's at the top of the list mm. by far. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I can sit here and say, well, my my second one is this person. Right, right. I mean, she's that far out. Um, right. That, that uh She's she's the one that I got to talk about today for sure on on that topic. Well, that of course is beautiful, absolutely beautiful, and it 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 just feels so authentic. I mean, it's you know it's really one of the best compliments uh, you could pay somebody to be <clears throat> that they you would find them inspiring, and the fact that you two have uh, this this complementary relationship where. You're both a little bit different, but you are very good at meeting in the middle and communicating and and deciding, you know, you getting a little bit out of your comfort zone, her kind of maybe reining back just a little bit and sort of meeting in the middle. It it must be such a sweet spot to have. Oh, there's no question about it. We talk about it all the time. And there's an energy about us as a couple. Um, We are best friends. And when we go out um, and and we we go to our club where I play tennis and we socialize. Um, mm-hmm. People people feel that energy and and they mm-hmm. say stuff. Um, they can mm-hmm. just tell. And you know it, it's um it's something that's for both of us taken a, a lot of life experience to have this this fortunate relationship, right? I mean we we had previous marriages and we we haven't had any kids together, but we've we've done some kid raising together. Right. It it um. It's been an interesting journey, um, and and this is an important variable too. I mean, both of us spent some time in therapy after okay. our first marriages, right. and that really set the stage for both of us to have what we have today, right? I mean, we learned in therapy, um, and and this is before we met each other. Um, we we learned some of the dysfunctional habits that we had in our previous relationships. What, you know, why did we have those, and how do we change those for the better? Right. And what's provided this wonderful relationship that we have today? And and we're interdependent. We're interdependent. So I have my interests, and I I take off and I go do those. Right. She has her interests, and she takes off and she does those. And then it's it's when we come together. Um, we're, we're fresh, we're energetic, we're one again, it's, it's team us and it, it just really, really works well. And we don't, um, you know, we don't get in any knockdown drag out fights. We, we disagree. We're a couple, we're human. Sure. We're always going to have our little points of contention, sure. um, but we, we duke those out respectively Good. Uh, and, and find that middle ground and, uh, I think you said it best. It's just, a, it's a beautiful place to be. Oh um, yeah. So oh. I, I just adore her and, and my relationship with her. Right. 
Well, that that is evident. One more thing, and then I want to circle back to that. A piece of wisdom you keep handy. Yeah, well, this is a great question. And I have lots, as many people do. And I yeah. actually have these little memes on Instagram with all of these <laughs> cool little phrases and stuff like that, that I, I like to go back and review. But I actually have uh, a, a modest fountain pen collection. I've always okay. loved fountain pens. And I, I take my fountain pens and write with them. And I don't really get into formal journaling, but I'll sit down and just let my thoughts begin to flow mainly to exercise my my fountain pen and <laughs> I came up with this this little uh, set of phrases uh, a couple of years ago and I think Ooh, it just I can't really, wait. really something that um, sticks with me and I, I use all the time and and it's own yesterday live today and earn tomorrow oh. and I, I think what that does is it 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 allows you the opportunity to say hey the past is the past and I own that whether it's positive, whether it's negative, whether it's neutral ground, it's in the rearview mirror. It's gone, and there's nothing. Right. We can't change that, um, but we can learn from it, and we can we can take snippets from that and use that in in the present and in the mm. future. Um, mm. The present is truly all we have. What, mm. what we have at this very moment is truly all that we have, and, mm. and we want to seize that, and, and we want to live in that moment, and then. You know, if we're all lucky enough to have a future, however long that is, it's it's limited, it's finite, right? Earn it. You know, lay the groundwork for doing the things that you want to be doing, going the places you want to be going, having the relationships that that you want to have, um, and and that is an investment. And you you need to allow yourself, give yourself the opportunity to earn that. So that those little three phrases are, you know, my my day to day wisdom. Um, huh that I take with myself. I, I actually don't share that with anybody. It's just something for me and it, and it works. Well, I hope you don't mind that you shared it with me and I will be sharing it too. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Please do. Yeah. Those good, those good little nuggets, you know, sometimes they just really stick with you and <clears throat> excuse me, they can make a really big difference if that little nugget comes back and you're like, Oh, well, that's right. You kind of, you get reminded and you, kind of, you know, even physically can feel a little adjustment. And then you proceed, I think, in a way that you wouldn't have had you not, you know, had that thought come come across. Absolutely. I mean, perception is reality, right? And and I think you, um, it, it, it's it's about perspective and, and mindset. And the, the, the mindset that you have is what you're going to manifest, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so this kind of sets sets the tone of mindset and and perspective and perception, both in the past, in the present and in the future. Right. Fantastic. Well, I just, you know, you're a very humble man. I I can tell that from the very first letter you wrote to through this conversation and seeing you in real life. I, I do want to let our listeners know that you wrote a really beautiful letter to me about your wife. And that is how I came to meet you how I came yeah. to meet her. Yeah. And uh, apparently you found Unabashed You on Instagram. So you somehow, I'm not quite sure how that happened, but I, I'm, I'm grateful. And you wrote me a really beautiful letter that talked about how wonderful your wife is and what I consider having her on. And 
I mean, I didn't even, I, I mean, it was an instant yes for me. There was not even a, a moment of hesitation. I, as I said earlier, I really believe that everybody has a story. Everybody has value. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be a celebrity to share the thing that only you can share and to be who only you can be. I really believe if we all did that at, at a at a a greater depth and height, I think the world would be a far better place. That's how I feel. So you wrote me this letter. I instantly said, yes, I got connected with your wife. And then I asked you, would you come on? And you're like, oh, well, no, I'm, I'm no, no. But I thought, no, this is such a great. And when I say story, it's not made up. It's just what we call the fact of how we connected, how you wrote and, and how I got to meet your wife and, and, you know, uh, by the time this airs, we will have heard from her. So you're going to be back to back. So we're going to her episode, then your episode. So and this beautiful love story that you two have clearly full of life, right? Challenges, pain, heartache, joy, elation, all the things you, you came together, the six kids and what is your passion? I mean, it's clear that you have a very healthy, um, evolved way of thinking. Well, thanks. I, <laughs> um, I flat flattery. I just don't do well with it, but okay, thank you. <laughs> yes, and, and that's right. You know, when you're like, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you is the perfect response, right? Yeah, it's all I can say, but, uh, and, you know, I, and I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I have, um, well, I guess I should back up a little bit. When I, when I left my role in law enforcement in March of 20, um, this kind of starts tying in with, with Angelina and what she's done with her writing. And she had written or was in the process of finishing her first sci-fi novel. And she had, she had gone to Oxford um, to take a, a novel writing class over the summer. And she had really made a lot of progress with, with her writing. And she was approached by a couple of publishing companies to publish her, her first work. And the offers that she got were really not compelling at all. Mm. And, 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 and they shouldn't be, right? I mean, she's, she's uh, not an established author. Nobody knows right. who she is. She doesn't have a fan base. I mean, you have to get the snowball rolling down the hill. That's right. And so, you know, we, we kind of said, well, why don't we, why don't we self-publish? So yes. I, I, have, I have been also a serial entrepreneur along the way. And, and I started, uh, just did a little LLC, started a publishing business called Two Portal Publishing and wow. set out and we, we published our first novel, um, through Two Portal Publishing. I found the editor wow. for the book. I, I, um, you know, got the formatter and kind of did all the logistical aspects of, of publishing her novel. And, you know, we got it up on Amazon and, and, um, it's, uh, in bookstores and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I've spent the last several years kind of being her agent, so to speak, and, right. and, her and, and the marketing side and, and promotional side. So she's done speaking engagements. And this is kind of how the, the, the podcast thing came about with you. Um, I'm always looking for opportunities to 
share her story because it, it her her story is truly amazing. It is, yes. and her accomplishments are, and she's so resilient. And then she has this talent that you know, at fifty six years old, we, we we always talk about or think about. Oh, you know, you're eighteen now. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Oh, well, gosh, yeah. you know. You, sometimes you just can't figure that out, right? Right. And sometimes yes. you're 56 years old when you figure it out, and that's okay. And yeah. so, you know, now she's on her third novel, and we we had we have the template set up, and you know, once you kind of understand how to do this self publishing thing, it it it's not that hard to do. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have book three out here um, by the end of the first quarter, I think, is is a fair timeline. And I I kind of got involved with that after law enforcement. Right. And one of the issues that uh, I, I had was, you know, how am I in service to others? And mm-hmm. how, do I, how do I continue to manifest what I've, I've been doing the last five or six years? And again, it's, it's been an evolution. I've actually started another business where I'm oh trading, trading chemicals um, it, to a country in South America. And that dates that kind of predates my history with Angelina. I was in the chemical industry for 17 wow. years and was on the business side and in, in, in a corporate environment. Um, so I, I, I got that business going. And then I'm also in school to become a certified clinical hypnotherapist. And I'll, I'll oh. have my certification um, at, at, I think, the end of April. And then I'm going to kind of continue that education through the summer and um you know, I'll, I'll have a transpersonal, transpersonal type of sort of certification at the end. Um, and, and that has been kind of a lifelong interest that Angelina kind of nudged me forward with that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've had an interest in this, you have a talent for helping people. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I was exposed to the mental health um, epidemic that we have in this country as a law enforcement officer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the state of Florida, there's there's a what's called a Baker Act, where if somebody is in a state of mind where they're going to harm themselves, harm others, or they can't care for themselves be, because of mental illness, um, we can actually write a Baker Act report and mm-hmm. and get them some professional help. They're actually committed. And the only two people that can do that in the state of Florida is a law enforcement officer and a doctor. So I I did a lot on the mental health side and law enforcement, and I saw firsthand the problems that we have out there as a society, both in mental health um, and addiction. And it's, it's a monumental problem that does not have an easy answer. Right. Um, but this modality is something that I truly believe in. Um, I, I, I think it has some some wonderful um, uh, ways of, ma- of helping people manage PTSD, mm-hmm. and anxiety, and some of these things wonderful. that we're very quick to prescribe a pill for. Um, so that's really where my next evolution, the next chapter mm. is going. And I do plan to open a practice here in Naples uh, in the second half of this year and, and, and do that type of work. So I, I kind of stay in that service environment. Wow. Fantastic. I, I really appreciate that your interests are so varied and not only that you're interested in these things, but you actually go seek them out and you, you're, you want to keep learning. You want to keep, um, serving you want to keep helping those are 
I think that's one of the best parts of life is is trying to figure out what you can do, like you say, to be of service to others. I'm 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 most impressed with the way that you both work together as a team and that you have taken so much interest in uh her career as a writer that you you you're working together to to get it out there and I think science fiction is so hot right now and it has been for a while that this seems like a really good time especially it seems like trilogies I know that's what her her first set of books is a trilogy right. and I think those sorts of things are very popular right now. Um, oh, what was I I'm losing my train of thought? Um, well, and you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I, and I told her when we, when we started this publishing adventure that commercial success isn't important. It's, it's that you have a passion for writing and you need to go follow the passion. And if you're following the passion, commercial success will happen. Um, right. I've always been one of these uh, people that likes the judo effect. You know, when you let something go, um, it's going to come to you and it's going to come to you a lot faster than if you're reaching out and trying to grab it. Right. And, you know, I, I, I told her, I said, let's not get wrapped up in the commercial side of, of this passion. Just embrace the passion of writing and keep writing, write a lot, enjoy your passion and the, the commercial side will take care of itself if mm -hmm. it's going to take care of itself. It's, yes. So we have, um, you know, I think tried to focus on each other's talents and interests and and promote those, right? Right. And that's, you know, another great aspect of our relationship is that we're investing in each other, not just romantically and intimately as a husband and wife, but right, right. really nurturing and and promoting and supporting the talents that the unique talents that each one of us has. Right. And how do we how do we share those with the world? Right. I want right. I want to share Angelina's talents with the world, and right. so that's why I took the time to to reach out to you. It, it wasn't about well, gosh, if we can get on this this podcast, we're going to sell a bunch of books. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really sharing who she is as a person, wh what her talents are, and and what she is able to provide, you know, the world. And, um, right. and she does the same thing for me. Well, and you're taking the words right out of my mouth because remember when just a second ago I was like I couldn't remember what I wanted to say, and and I totally remember now what I wanted to say, which is, you know, sometimes people pitch me guests and such, and I I tell them. You know, basically, I have no rules for anybody coming on. No, no real guidelines. Uh, right. Well, no, I should uh, pedal back just a little bit. My caveat is just know that if you want to come on and share, I'm all about that. If you want to come on and sell, I'm not about that. And there might be a fine line between the two. I don't. I, I mean, to me, there's not. I I can. I feel a huge difference when someone is sharing with me and it could be about a book or writing or whatever it is versus somebody trying to sell me something that is an instant turnoff to me. I don't have any interest. There's just, I mean, ah, I mean, that's why so much, so many of us don't have cable anymore. We can't stand the commercials, right? If I, you well, want to, I, I, I wish I could. <laughs> I was looking for this the other day. I saw I saw a a lecture on YouTube a couple of years ago, and I I actually this guy had a couple of rules that he 
was presenting in this lecture. And I wrote them down in one of my notebooks. And because of the hurricane and uh. our, our displacement, my notebooks are kind of in boxes and stuff, and they're, they're hard to find. But one of the things that this guy said was, always practice genuine authenticity. Mm. And, you know, I thought that that was really a fantastic rule to live by um, for, for the exact reasons you're saying. Um, if, if a guest comes on and they're genuine and they're authentic about who they are and what they're doing, you know, you're going to sell yourself and whatever it is that yeah. you know, you're talking about anyway. So, you know, why do you need to spend a bunch of effort, um, you know, with a, with a sales pitch? Um, yeah. yeah. People respond to genuineness. They yes. just, there's, a, there's an emotional attachment, emotional component to that, that um, instills trust, credibility, integrity, yes. and all of these things that are important values for human connection. Yes. So anyway. Oh my gosh. Again, kindred spirits, you're you're we're on that same page. And I'm so grateful that a lot of people are. And and so yeah, if people want to come on and they want to share who they are, great. And if that results in helping you, being of service to you in whatever it is that you're sharing, that's that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful because you know, everyone matters. And I I like the idea of of, of supporting and encouraging people to be who they are and that authenticity. In fact, I, I think I had a conversation with BA Angelina about authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability, how those for me are the pillars. And sure. I, I'm, you know, I'm just not interested if you're not about that. Thank you, David, for coming on the show. And my goodness, you know, we could, we could do three, four parters with each one of you, 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 you both. You and your wife both have uh, have a lot to share, a lot of wisdom to put out there, and um, uh, you guys are the real deal. And I, I well, appreciate thanks, yeah, that. Thanks, thank, thank you, and thanks for having me. Um, you know, I like to fly under the radar, so <laughs> this is a this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. But um, yeah, I think I think it's it's the stories that are important right and i think that that's that's what you said and that's what you try to capture in this podcast yes and you know it's it's how people write those stories and you know it's about life and experience and learning and seeking new knowledge and growing mm -hmm. and evolving as a human and mm -hmm. uh, that's all great stuff absolutely i could not agree with you more well thank you again david i really appreciate your time thank you so much for having me michelle i appreciate it my pleasure. When I asked David to be a guest, he was hesitant. He explained he's about being the support behind the scenes. As I see it, everyone has a story. And I already was grateful for his. The love he has for his wife. Then the email she got circled in on and the effusive appreciation she had for him reaching out to me. Truly a beautiful thing. I'm so glad I got a peek into the love they have for each other. Isn't that what it's all about? The Unabashed You website has a page for each guest filled with photos, quotes, and a blog with embedded audio at unabashedyou.com. You can find the show on other podcast platforms. Want to lend your support and encouragement? We invite you to subscribe, follow, rate, review, and share. On Instagram and Facebook, you can find us under Unabashed You. If you want to connect, the email is unabashedyou at gmail.com. 
for questions, comments, and anything else. If you want to be part of our weekly emailing list highlighting the week's episode, give us a shout. We'd be happy to add you, and your info will never be shared. Website visits, social media, and word of mouth in sharing these episodes makes us discoverable, so thanks for your support there. We want these conversations to help you think, celebrate who you are, and move you in some way. Be encouraged as you continue to listen, read, and be inspired. And now a prayer. Summing it all up, friends, I'd I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. And that is Philippians 4, 9, message translation. Today, continue to become who you already are. With confidence, be unabashed. With courage, be you.